Father, we thank you for another opportunity to learn at your feet. We pray, Jehovah God, that your word will correct, will encourage us this morning, that you will speak to us the way only you can in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we've prayed. This morning, we are going to be talking about total surrender, something I have titled um, total surrender. So when you surrender, what does it actually mean? It means to stop resisting, to submit to authority, to give up or hand over a right or a possession, to yield, to, to, to yield power or control to someone. You know, it means to, to completely or agree to forego, especially in favor of another. Those are the general definitions of surrendering. Now, um, as a Christian, what is expected of us? in terms of surrendering. It is to give ourselves into the power of another. You know, um, in Philemon 1 and Ephesians 3.1, Paul referred to himself as a prisoner of Christ. So when we talk about surrender, it involves, you know, yielding, giving up ourselves to the service of God, giving up ourselves to Christ. It involves the totality of our being, our will, our thoughts, our ideas, our minds, our resources, everything about us. Because come to think of it, what do we have that we have not been given? The life that we live, the resources that we, we have, the gifts, the talents of God, everything about us. It is what we have been given. Remember, we came into this world with nothing, not even with clothes, with absolutely nothing. We came into this world. So we are expected as Christians to live a life of total surrender. You know, we usually sing, we say, my life, my soul, my mind, it belongs to you. Yes, I surrender. Well, this morning, the charge to us, to each and every one of us, myself inclusive, is that we should surrender totally to God. We should not pay lip service to surrendering. Yes, it is easy for us to sing it, and I'm sure we have the best of intentions when we sing that we surrender all to him. But the church this morning is that we should surrender truly in our minds, in our actions and reactions. We should live a life of total surrender to God. Second Corinthians 5, 14 to 18. I'm going to be reading from Second Corinthians 5, 14 to 18. And it says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life 
will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What is this scripture saying to us? It is talking about us when we give our lives to Christ. It's talking about when we surrender our lives to Christ. It is saying that the love of Christ controls us. You know, sometimes things happen to us. We go through um, life experiences. Probably someone offends us or something. And then we, we just laugh and we say to that person, you don't know me. Or we just say, you know, you, you really don't know me. If you knew me, you wouldn't do that. Uh, oh, what a pity, you don't know me. Who are you? You are a dead man in Christ. You are a dead woman in Christ. You are the one that has totally surrendered yourself, your being to Christ. So we don't truly know you anymore because we have stopped to evaluate you from a human point of view. I like the way another translation puts it. I think it's the um, King James, the King James translation. It says that henceforth we know no man after the flesh. Yet though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So yes, you are a new being. You are a new person. So let us, um, when we in our in our reactions, let us stop making reference to the old man. Why should we stop doing that? It is because we are we are not reformed. We've heard it before. We are not rehabilitated. We have been, we are, we are living a new life. We have been recreated. So you are not a former fighter. You are not a former grudge keeper. You are not a former malice keeper. You are one that has been recreated. You were reborn. And so therefore we don't know you as we used to know you anymore. So in case we've been referring to ourselves when things happen to us in our actions, in our reactions, let us change the way we, let, let, let's change the way we, we speak, the way we react, because we live a life of total surrender to Christ. That means we don't live to please ourselves anymore. A life of total surrender is one that is lived solely for Christ, to please Christ, to please him in our thoughts, to please him in our words, to please him in our actions, to do as he bids us. That is living a life of total surrender. Another way to live a life of total surrender is to have a new perspective, the perspective of Christ, heavenly perspective towards everything, heavenly perspective towards our situation, heavenly perspective towards our resources, heavenly, heavenly 
perspective towards our circumstances. I want us to turn our Bibles to Galatians 2. Galatians 2, 19 to 20. Galatians 2, 19 to 20. And it says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. So this is just to buttress the last point, that the life that we live, we now live for God. That means we, we, we ceased to exist as we, as we lived before God. Our lives before we met Christ is now gone. We are dead in Christ and we are resurrected with him. And so therefore we now live for God. So what is the evidence that we have surrendered? What is the evidence that we are in total surrender to Christ? One of the evidence is our commitments. Are we committed to the gospel? Are we committed to Christ? Have we pledged our allegiance to Christ, to the service of God? That is one of the evidence of total surrender. You cannot surrender without being committed. So um, if we look at Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 37 to 39. Matthew 10, 37 to 39. Just, Matthew 10, just one moment to get to the scripture. Okay. It says, if you love, it says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Total surrender. So when we give our lives, we have totally surrendered our lives to Christ. Another synonym that we can use is submission. You know, submitting to the authority of Christ. Totally surrendering ourselves to Christ. So nothing else above Christ. Not our lives, not our children, not our jobs, not our marriages, nothing above Christ. Total surrender means Christ takes priority, the center stage of our lives. So if we attempt, like I said when um, in the introductory um, message, I said, what do we have that we have not been given? Even this life can be required of us at any moment. You can have today and not have tomorrow. There are seasons in life. There are seasons in life. We know that God is our total sufficiency. And that is why we don't depend on what we have. We don't depend on who we have. Paul says, I count it all loss, all my achievements. I count it as nothing for the sake of Christ. That is a life of total surrender. That is a life of total surrender to Christ. Whoever we think we are, our position, our status, 
whatever. We relinquish it. We count it as nothing for the gospel's sake, for the sake of Christ. We don't put our focus in it. We don't love any other, even ourselves, our lives. The Bible says that even if you, if you cling to your life, if you cling, if you, you hold on tenaciously to your life, you will lose it. What is it saying? It means that don't insist. Don't try to be in control of your own life. Don't try to be in charge. Don't try to be to, to, to live the life as you please. You have to live for Christ. Living a life of total surrender. Because it is in a life of total surrender that we discover purpose. It is in a life of total surrender that we truly start living. What that scripture is saying is that it's not that God will kill us. God is not a killer. So if you choose to cling to your life, you will never discover the purpose of God for you because God will never be in control. If you don't put him, if you don't make him priority, if you don't let Christ be the center, center be at the center stage of your life, you will never, you will never truly start living. Total surrender involves having an eternal perspective of life. Another scripture, another scripture that I want us to read is Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Matthew 16, 24 to 27. And it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? If anything worth more than, is anything worth more than your soul? So as, as, we've, as we said earlier, what is worth more? What is our soul worth? What is the cost? What is the price of our soul? Remember, everything is fleeting. This world is fleeting. It is all temporary. So we must live a life of total surrender to Christ. We cannot afford to be selfish. A life of total surrender is doing as he bids us, obeying, living a life of reconciliation, reconciling men to Christ. You know, we've heard, we've said that this is the month of soul winning. Let us go out. Let us preach the gospel to, to people. Let us go out. It, you know, naturally, it might not be convenient. It will be inconvenient. We have tight schedules. We have things to do. We have commitments in other areas. However, if we truly have living a life of total surrender, we will make time. Just as we make time for other commitments in our lives, we will make time. We will be sold out to Christ and to the cause of the gospel. Living a life of total surrender. We cannot afford to be selfish. We cannot afford to be selfish. It says that we should turn from our selfish ways. We should turn from our selfish ways. And we should take up our cross. Taking up our cross, identifying with Christ. 
doing as he bids us on a daily basis, winning souls in our actions, in our reactions. When that person in the office, when that person offends you, when that person in church offends you, when that person at home, when your neighbor, even your spouse, even your children, when they offend you, when things happen, when life happens, when life throws things at you, living a life, a life of total surrender. I want us to quickly look at examples of those that surrendered in the Bible. Uh, an example that I love so much is the example of Mary. Luke 1, in Luke 1, Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38, because of our time, we're just going to quickly run through it. It says that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. You know, every time I, I read this scripture, it doesn't cease to amaze me that, you know, the angel said, favored woman, you are a favored woman. So let's try to imagine it in our own client. So you are a single lady, you are a virgin. And someone says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. A lot of times, most of us will not yet wait to wait, um, wait to listen to the second part of the message. We will just keep rejoicing and leaping for joy that God has remembered me. God has remembered me. The Lord is with me. Now look at the favor that God said is with her. I mean, the favor that, um, the favor that um, God showed her. God said that she will conceive and give birth to a son. She will conceive and give birth to a son. That is good news, isn't it? So yes, she will still be rejoicing. Oh, glory to God. God has remembered me. I will conceive and give birth to a boy. She doesn't come to think of it, but I am a virgin. I am not known any man. And look at the favor. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will, call upon, will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. That is how you will get pregnant. Not through someone, not, not, not through intercourse. You are going to get pregnant because the spirit of God will overshadow you. That is the favor. You know, in another way, in, in, in today's world, someone may say, God, I don't want this type of favor. God, why not let, since you can do all things, since there's nothing impossible for you, why not just allow that baby drop and let the baby just be found at my doorstep so that it saves me the shame of carrying a pregnancy and having to explain. How many people do I want to tell? Is it a, is it a credible explanation to say that I am carrying the child, I am impregnated by the Holy Spirit? That is the life of total surrender. She surrendered. She was from a humble background, a poor background. She was not rich. She surrendered to Christ. What did she say? She said, be it unto me according to your word. That is a life of total surrender. Now, the favor that, also, that God also graciously gave to her was to see her child die, death on the cross, nailed to the cross. 
Of course, she did not know that from at the beginning. But again, that was a life of total surrender. To say that this child that you have given me is actually not mine, but yours. To fulfill divine purpose, to fulfill divine destiny. You know, a lot of times we chart the course for our children. And rightfully so, sometimes we have the obligation as parents to look out for them. However, we cannot do it on our own. We need to yield to God because each person, each child, each person, each individual, we have our calling, we have the calling of God over our lives. So a life of total surrender. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to your word. Is that what we are saying to Christ this morning? Is that what we are saying to Christ every day of our lives? Are we saying to Christ, be it unto me? according to your word. Are you saying to Christ, I will do as you bid me, whatever the cost? Is that what, is that our attitude towards the gospel? Is that our attitude to Christ? Are we living a life of total surrender? Another example, another example that I like to use is the example of Joseph. In Matthew Matthew, Matthew 1, 18, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, the example of Joseph. That is um, another, another interesting um, read, 18 to 25. So it's introduced that this is how Jesus was born. His mother was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, before marriage took, took place, she became pregnant. And Joseph, because he was a good man, he did not want to disgrace her. So he decided, you know, to break the engagement quietly. A very good man. And then as he considered breaking up the engagement, the angel again appeared to him in a dream and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Again, I like to, 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 to say that, in this climb, imagine that you're a single man and then someone you are betrothed to, engaged to, gets pregnant and you have a dream that that child oh, is from the Holy Spirit. Oh. It is the Holy Spirit that impregnated that lady. So don't break it off. A life of total surrender. The example of Joseph, you know, he yielded, he surrendered, he surrendered. And he says that, his name, you will call his name Jesus. And then from there henceforth, Joseph's life became all about Jesus. So at one point, it was Bethlehem. At another point, angel will come again. It was Egypt. At another point, angel came again, go back to Israel. The angel kept appearing. Some of us will keep our eyes wide open. I will say, I will refuse to sleep so that no angel will come and tell me something again. You know? a life of total surrender. He kept surrendering, surrendering, yielding. To surrender is to stop resisting. Is there any way that we are resisting? Are we resisting Christ? Are we resisting what he has said to us? You know, a lot of times, even when we go out on evangelism, you know, we tend to analyze. When God, the Holy Spirit is telling you, speak to this person. Speak to that person. You know, on Saturday, coincidentally, myself and my and my and my partner, Mrs. Kiwa, 
we had gone for evangelism and and then when of course we parted with and I was coming and the Holy Spirit ministered to me. I saw two ladies and said, pray with these people. And I was like, hey, Holy Spirit, you know, you can discuss with the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, they said that we should go out in twos, two by two. Jesus Christ sends them out in twos. My partner is not here. Let me just be going, JJ. So I walked past those ladies. And then I remembered total surrender, doing as he bids you. So I walked back and I said, excuse me, sisters, do you mind if I pray with you? I was surprised. Immediately they dropped what they were doing. In fact, one of them quickly tied her scarf and I prayed and I finished praying and I walked away. And the Holy Spirit again said, is that all? Is that all? Won't you collect their numbers for follow-up? Is it a one-off thing? Is this not so winning? And I said, but you said I should pray. Why did you tell me at that point that I should collect their number? It was just prayer. So I walked back. I, was, I did three minutes work, but I remembered doing as he beats you, a life of total surrender. So I carried myself back again. And I said, I'm so sorry, sisters. I didn't even ask, are you Christians? Are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Of course, they said, yes. We know Jesus. We are born again. I said, okay, I would like to take this further. I would like to have your numbers. And of course, they gave me their numbers. That's just an example of us not resisting. Do not resist. Do not resist. Yield, yielding, living a life of total surrender. Another example that I another example that I like so much is the example of Paul and Silas in Acts. 16 from 22 to 34. Acts of the apostles. Acts of the apostles. 16, 32 to 34. When the disciples, when they were beaten, it says that they were beaten. It says that they were beaten with rod. They commanded that they should be beaten with rod. With rods, and they were severely beaten, and they were thrown in, in, into prison. And so the jailer ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. A life of total surrender. Imagine that. And they were, they did the right thing. No, it's not that they were, they did the wrong thing. They were beaten, beaten with rods. Put their, their feet were put in stocks. Yet, what did they do at midnight? It is only people that have surrendered totally, surrendered totally to Christ that can do that. They started praying. They started singing. They started praying. They started singing. And you know what? I, I bet to, to say that even if nothing had happened, they would have continued. They would have done it with joy, serving God with joy, serving God with gladness. But guess what? The Bible says suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And then, of course, 
the jail, the prison doors were wide open. You know, sometimes another person can, can say it as, oh, this is divine intervention. God does not want me to stay put. But you know what? They did not choose to be selfish. They remained because the general was about to kill himself because he knows the consequence that the people that they put in his care, they cannot be found anymore. But Paul and Silas, they lived a life of total surrender. So our charge this morning is that we should live a life of total surrender to Christ. We should humble ourselves before Christ under the mighty arm of Christ, living a life of humility, a life of obedience, a life of consecration, doing as he bids us, no matter the cost. Father, we thank you for these words that have come to us today. We thank you for grace. We thank you, Father, because even as you have called us, you have enabled us to indeed surrender wholly and totally to you. Thank you, Father, for helping us. Thank you, Father, for strengthening us. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Thank you and have a wonderful day.